Imagine that. You are in the North Pole with a group of professionals, mainly scientists. But there is also an artist with you. An artist who spends her days in residences worldwide, in the famous Biosphere 2, and many others. How these experiences have influenced her art and us as viewers? Why is she sending an artwork on a six-hour flight? And what would you think when you see an artwork with a flight certificate? All of these questions and stories are in ours today's podcast. So let's start. We are being told to choose between the left and right brain, between studying art and engineering, between creative and analytical thinking. Our society tells us that art and business are not connected. But what if society is wrong? What if it misleading us? The good news is that understanding what art is can bring us to a new revelation. Art does matter in innovation, technology, and entrepreneurship. And with the help of this podcast and its guests, you as well will learn that art is not an object. Art is a mindset. You are listening to the Artian Podcast with me, Nir Hindi. Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for coming back. We are officially back from our break and entering into the second part of our second season. If it is the first time you hear this podcast, my name is Nir, and I'm the founder of The Artian, a creative consultancy and training company that applies an art mindset in the business environment. Why we do it? Just like you will hear today, the work that artists do can inspire innovation, exploration, curiosity, and self-awareness of who we are as humans. Check our website if you want to know how we can assist you in becoming more innovative. Today, I'm excited to speak with Richelle Griebel, an expeditionary artist exploring planetary connectivity, both on and off Earth. She has traveled worldwide to extreme places, often bringing our world and its uniqueness to us, the viewers, and expanding the possibilities for human experiences. She is an analog astronaut and the head of creative research for analog space missions on the Moon and Mars via Hawaii Space Exploration Analog and Simulation. She is the founding director of the Super Collider, an art, science and tech exhibition platform. Gribble is also the co-founder and director of space programs for Beyond Earth, an all-female artist collective exploring intersections between art, biology and space. For this episode, I interviewed Richelle's husband, Tim Ellis, the co-founder and CEO of Relativity Space, an aerospace manufacturing company that 3D prints rockets and send them to space. The conversation with Tim will be released as the bonus episode for this one. You want to listen to this inspiring young man who is going to bring us to Mars. Hey, Richelle, welcome to the Artian podcast. Hello, great to be here. Good morning in LA, good afternoon in Madrid. I'm super excited about our conversation. We are going to speak about the moon and the space and art and all the wonderful things that you are doing. But before we dive deep into the different things that we will discuss, I'm interested, can you introduce yourself briefly to our listeners? Sure thing. Uh, yes, so my name is Rochelle Gribble, and I'm an artist based in Los Angeles. I'm a bit of what you can call the nomadic artist, where I travel to back-to-back residencies to explore planetary connectivity and see how systems and networks interconnect. And this has led me to an interest in space exploration, uh, being able to explore the planet and advocate for it using space to help life on Earth, which has made me venture to a couple of my first space analogs. <laughs> so now yes. I'll stop you because I want to discuss all of those things that you mentioned. But before that, in the definition on your website, you say, I'm expeditionary artist exploring planetary connectivity, both on and off Earth. Explain what does it mean? I've actually launched my art to space aboard satellites, aboard rockets, attached to a lunar lander and on stratolites. And really, I'm interested in sending art out into space because it can really allow us to reflect what is our message? What do we represent here on Earth? And how can we use art to tell our story? And by using space, it kind of allows us to transcend ourselves and, and really evolve what art can do and where it can exist. And I think that inherently evolves us. So what led you to space? How did you get to that? 
I mean, it, it was a very unexpected transition. So I really have always pursued art as a way to explore the world and explore the environment and nature and science. And it was in this pursuit uh, coming from like an environmentalist lens that I learned more about uh, the Earthrise image and how that really kickstarted the environmental movement. And to me, it really is such a powerful moment when you're able to see Earth and you see how interconnected it is uh, that you can better understand your role within it and your place in the in the cosmos. And so that naturally led me to explore space as a topic. Another big influence for me is uh, author Frank White, who coined the overview effect. So he's interviewed over 45 astronauts about their experience in spaceflight. And so many of them go up into space, they're viewing Earth from above, and in that moment, they realize that, yeah, borders and boundaries disappear and it's one living organism. And oftentimes that shift in perspective really ignites astronauts to come back to Earth and either start an environmental organization or double down into the arts or training uh, kids to, to be inspired as space explorers. So I think there's this incredible shift uh, that inspires social and environmental impact upon return home. And so I think if more people could experience that sensation of the overview effect, of course, not all of us can travel to space. So I, I think that's where art can play its part to to let people see that that new perspective and see the world in a new way. And that's what you are trying to achieve with your own artworks? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> so can you give us an example for an artwork that actually transmit these ideas that you are speaking of? Absolutely. So one project that that comes to mind was a project that I made when I was inside of the Biosphere 2. And that's an enclosure in Arizona. Um, I was doing an artist in residence program there. And inside of this enclosure are several different biomes. So you have the desert biome, an ocean habitat, the mangroves, um, and all of these different systems are linked. And so they are able to, to sustain the entire environment that's enclosed. And so back in the day, in the early 90s, several biospherians went and lived in this enclosure to see if humans could survive in a self-contained environment if our goal is to eventually take that to Mars. So it was an interesting experience to be an artist in that space. And what I really wanted to explore was how linked these different environments are. And what you'll find is the desert biome, the dust and wind from the deserts actually serves as nutrients for the rainforest. And so they're all really connected. So when thinking, how do I tell this story of planetary connectivity, I ended up making what is an eight foot puzzle that is really large scale and it contains 91 puzzle pieces uh, representing different parts of the planet. So they're all uh, interdependent and locked together. And I think that that large scale is, is also important for viewers to see this large, almost planet-like puzzle and are able to identify the different parts of these, these ecosystems to show how interdependent they are. I love it. So I'm interested to kind of uh, ask you, and that's something we discussed in the past, what is the role of your art in understanding space? I think what's really fascinating, when you look at past uh, artworks or art objects that have flown to space, they really are elevating kind of the human perspective and our uh, capabilities to venture outward into the cosmos. And I think an important part that's left out of that story is the biodiversity of the planet, looking at all of the different species, our web of life, the botanicals, the um, aquatic life around the world. And so you'll see if you start to deep dive into my artwork is I'm always looking at these species relationships from the micro to the macro and how linked they are. And I really wanted to bring that story out into space to, to recognize not only the human perspective, but Earth's inhabitants. And so for many of the projects, you'll see a lot of uh, representations of our, our global web of life. So someone might ask, I mean, if you create here on Earth, 
Why send it to space? Who will see it? What is the purpose of sending an artwork on a, a rocket into space? Um, well, I've been asked that question before. And my, <laughs> response, <laughs> my response is that oftentimes I'll create a copy that then is shown around Earth. And I think that that tangibility makes it more understandable for people to realize, oh my gosh, this is also on the moon or this is also on space. So oftentimes we'll exhibit it here. Or if an artwork has flown to space and returned back to Earth, it'll be exhibited with a certificate of flight. We actually have a big project coming up through this artist collective that I am a part of called Beyond Earth. And uh, we're launching a 16-foot sculpture up into the stratosphere. And so it's going to be a six-hour flight, and then it returns and submerges back into the ocean. So we'll retrieve it from the ocean and then be able to exhibit its remnants and its remains after this flight. But what's exciting is we're having GoPros document the entire flight cycle. So that journey in itself almost becomes the artwork. So I think as you send art to space, what the material is or what the object is itself actually can change. And its meaning changes and the, the material changes based on its journey to space. So because it's gone there, I think that it, it creates new meanings for people. And bringing that story home is really important. You know, you're talking and I'm positive that listeners feel the same. You were talking and my imagination started to work. And I was seeing everything you were talking about. What is the role of imagination in understanding our space and our environment? Well, that's, that's another big reason why I love uh, space art, because truly you prove to yourself that the sky is not the limit and our creativity is boundless. And I think that as each artwork goes up, it starts to just show that art can transcend what we think is even possible and creativity is something that is ever evolving. And the further we venture off planet, it means that the further we're being pushed to think differently and create differently. And I think that that is really fundamental in driving culture and evolving humanity and our visions for the future. So I find that to be a very rich, yeah, it's a frontier, it's unknown territory, but it pushes all of us to, to think differently about Even how do we define art and creativity? Why does it have to just exist on a canvas? Why can't it be etched onto the side panels of satellites? Yeah. I always say that for me, art is not an object. It's, it's a mentality. It's a way of thinking. The, the manifestation of it is the different objects that we see. But if I were to play devil advocate, I would have said, it's not art took us to space. It's engineering took us to space. What will you say about the, the connections between the two? How they are linked? Well, it was fascinating. So I recently returned from what's called the High Seas Sensoria missions, uh, which happen in Hawaii, and it's a Mars simulation. So I was there with five other crewmates. We're all astronauts in training. And something that happened there is we were each sharing how did we get into space. And many of them are scientists and <laughs> everyone referred to some kind of sci-fi film or song that inspired them to go into the study of space. And I think that that in itself was proof that something is there, that art is informing these people to just have these amazing imaginations where they're inspired to do what's impossible and, you know, learn astrobiology and uh, double down into astrophysics and these, these topics that go beyond our scope. Are, are possible because they were dreamed up in art, artworks and sci-fi and, and projects that push the envelope. I love it. It's just, you know, it's kind of, listeners already know how I'm how excited about these topics. And I always say it's like, we always need the imagination and the execution. And I always see artists that kind of lead with questions and ask us questions that open possibilities and ignite imagination. So I wonder, you were in this... Um, a residency and all of them coming from science and probably a, a engineering, etc. How did they respond to the fact that suddenly there is an artist? What is a space art? 
Yeah, I think that it brought about an interesting uh, dimension to our crew. I do feel like, you know, since they had an artist as part of the crew, that it gave everyone creative permission to show their artistic sides as well. So uh, our medical chief officer was also making music on her synthesizer and our science communication officer would pick up the guitar and play inside the habitat. So it sort of unleashed this creativity in people. And I think that that was something I really wanted to explore by going into this habitat Mars simulation and see how does art bring together crews because crew dynamics is also a big part of space exploration. And as crewmates would start to see me painting and working on different projects, then they would start to, to work alongside me. And I think that that was a really amazing part of our crew dynamics is seeing you can unleash this creative potential if it's allowed and if you give it permission. So interesting, kind of a, not only igniting different conversation and allowing them to see space from a different perspective, but also bringing people together. Starting Relativity five years ago is a pretty, pretty big adventure. So we wanted to be the first company in the world to 3D print an entire rocket. And I really felt this was inevitable. You know, it's just myself and, and Jordan Noon, uh, you know, I was 25, I think he was 22. So we were getting, a, getting an early start at building this thing. You also have in your personal uh, life a crew member, and you are kind of an artist-entrepreneur space duo. You, in my opinion, expand our imagination, and Tim, your partner, expand our reach. By 3D printing rockets that goes to space with his company, Relativity Space. He's very passionate about art as well, and as your life partner, I think it's kind of demonstrate the symbiosis between art, science, and entrepreneurship. And I'm interested to know, what is your common denominator besides space in your work? For Tim and I, we actually met in college because both of us were giving TEDx talks uh, <laughs> to, to students. And he was talking about the future of, of space exploration and 3D printing. And I was talking about networks and the systems that connect our planet. And let's just say we liked each other's talks and we've been together ever since. But we, we've always been super interested because we were brought together by this excitement of looking at where art and science collide. And for us, what those two worlds form together is wonder. And so wonder has become such a fundamental point of, of our lives together. And also with everything that we create around us is we just realize if we're on this earth this one time, let's get the most out of it and ignite wonder around us. Because I think wonder is such a powerful place to inspire and also to bring you into presence and connect you with the world around you and make you feel part of something bigger than yourself. And that is such a rewarding place to exist. And I mean, wonder is even engraved in my, my wedding ring. It's so much a part of our, our lives together. And, and it gives meaning to, the, to each of our work uh, every day. And I took your advice and obviously I spoke with the team and I was asking him, how does it feel to see space from the perspective of, of an artist and how your work inspires him? Let's hear what he had to say. Well, I think first it's, it's super interesting because we've, we've talked a lot about it. So Rochelle has done her journey in space like in a pretty different world than me, actually. And for me, I mean, just watching that journey has been really inspiring because in many ways, I think for, for my work at Relativity Space, you know, not only are we building a company, but we're also building towards this mission of putting humanity on Mars. And I think like the reason that's important to me is it's about expanding the possibilities for human experience. In many ways, I think going to Mars uh, for me is actually one of the greatest art projects of human civilization. And that's not to trivialize it either. I think art is, it just gets to what it means to be human. Like what are we actually living and dying and building and breathing generation after generation? Like what is it all about? And I think art is physical manifestation of that questioning. 
um, and, and of that drive and of that playing around with, you know, different kind of tensions and societal contexts and wonder and awe and like what is evolving in front of us. And so I do think going to Mars in many ways is an expansion of that landscape and will will actually help us create new art and new experiences. Like for, for me, it just contextualizes the why I'm doing this and why it actually matters. Because despite engineering being extremely creative, I, I think in many ways art to, to some extent in and of itself, it's even more of a pure expression of just the message that that matters. Like our, our rocket engines still have a function. There's still like something it's doing. But I think in, in her case, just seeing the message evolve and really asking the questions like, why go to space? Why save the environment? Like, why, why does that actually matter? And I think it just, yeah, it hel- helps me answer a lot of questions around like, what is the vision of humanity? And I think at the core of it, for me, when, when I see her work, that's like the question that we're both trying to ask. It's like, what is this actually all about? And how do we guide the future of humanity in a direction that's actually sustainable and going to create a better future than the one we're inheriting? Because I think we do live in a time where that is not a certainty. And that's not been true of all of human history in the past. So I'm interested now to ask you the opposite question. How the life with Tim as an entrepreneur that actively launch rockets to space influence your own perception and your own art? Mm. Oh, that's an amazing question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was incredible the first time that I went with Tim to visit his rocket project at Rocket Lab at USC. And I remember seeing just the, the steel metal of, of all of the rocket parts and how intricately designed they were. And they just really had such complexity and imagination. And I kept asking him, like, how are you envisioning this piece flying to space? And how do all those small holes connect to propellants that enable this thing to lift off? And To me, I was just so enthralled by the materiality of these objects and that he was able to place such meaning and imagination into these objects that they could actually launch into space and potentially carry passengers into space. And, you know, of course, and then I'm thinking, oh, and and art too, right? (laughs) We can carry that up there too. You know that in our conversation, I tried to get a commitment from him to start an artist in residence after you worked in the company. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. I think some of his employees just call me the resident artist at Relativity, so I'll I'll take it. You you launched the project. Now we need to kind of continue. I already asked a a team to do it. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Excellent. Yeah, I I just think... um, I mean, every time I walk into relativity space now, it's just absolutely incredible to see what can be formed when so many people come together around a vision. And honestly, every single week I walk in there, it's changed, it's evolved, something's different. They have a new part and the energy of that space is just buzzing. And what's so incredible is I got to be witness to this entire process of when it started as a seed of an idea and now is a full-fledged operating beautiful space that is surrounded by brilliant people from so many different backgrounds. And yeah, I mean, it shows the power of an idea, the power of wonder to, to uplift and inspire people to do something that they think is impossible. And he's proven that something that he can give to the world. And I think we need more of that. So I yeah. wonder when you created art for relativity uh, space, um, what you had in mind? What did you try to transmit? Because you created a large painting that at least I saw, probably other things, but this is the one that I uh, saw. And we will make sure to share it uh, on the show note. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so that was actually... Uh, one of the largest paintings I've made yet, which is eight feet by 18 feet. And it's entitled Overview. So inspired by that overview concept. And to me, it was so fitting for the relativity environment because what it's showing is this evolution from the organic world to our social networks and connections 
all the way over to space exploration. So you'll see these satellites kind of branching out of um, migrations of animals. And then you'll see these really textured areas where it almost looks like molecules and particles. And I think that bringing that story into relativity was so important because they do a lot of 3D printing, uh, which is a very organic process. And it, it almost looks like it's something blooming from the earth, or it's like a slime mold pattern growing into to these plants or these larger forms, which then become these beautiful, uh, elegant structures and rockets. And so Tim and I, we've always thought that it was important to bring that story of earth and our origins and have that inform why we need to go to space. And also keeping that in mind that our space exploration is also always coming back to, to feed our planet and support the world we have here. So I hope, you know, in my mind, anytime I walk into relativity, I hope that it helps ground some of the, the employees so they can realize, oh, we're going to space because we're going to make things better here too. So kind of materializing or giving, giving an image to a vision, maybe in a way, and a mission. Richa, let's take a short break and then we'll continue. Hi, listeners. It's clear that our speakers are at the intersection of art and innovation, but they didn't just arrive there casually. They developed their skills, gained knowledge, and more importantly, grew their artistic mindset. Would you like to develop some of these skills, capabilities, or a growth mindset? Then I would encourage you to check our art-based learning experiences. Whether you want to build your leadership skills or your innovation competencies, our training can be just what you are looking for. Visit us at www.theartian.com. That is T-H-E-A-R-T-I-A-N.com to learn more. Richelle, I have, I have a question. You spoke about it and you mentioned it and your website tagline says everything is connected. What do you mean when you say everything is connected? And you started to speak about the earth. But I'm interested from a human perspective, because as human, we tend to segregate everything. You are an engineer, I'm an artist, you are from this country, I'm from this country. And But I think everything connected kind of expand to everything. Yeah, that's something I discovered in my art practice. And it was kind of this eureka moment when I looked at all of the artworks I've ever made. And I stepped back and was like, what is the common thread between all of these things? And I realized that whether I was painting the rivers and deltas of an aerial view perspective, or a crowd of people, um, each one was a different network and each one affected the other. And I think that that was a moment to me when I was like, oh my goodness, everything I've ever made is some kind of system or connective thread that affects other systems. And that really inspired me to think about connectivity in a new way and, and kind of it shifted the way that I viewed the world around me because I'm always looking at how things are linked, even if you don't expect it to be. So for example, I'll have these drawings that are really large scale and you'll see a pod of dolphins next to a freeway. And oftentimes you don't see those things together, but it's actually the freeway runoff that's affecting some of the marine ecosystems. So I like to show the things that people don't often see together colliding because we have to start to remember that these disparate elements are actually linked. And I think that translates over to people in the way that I see scientists and artists as not being too different. Why are we separating the two? And of course, like I love doing these artist in residence programs at startups and rocket companies because you can always find some sort of overlap, even though I'm coming from a completely different background. And I think it's those synergies, finding those connections that really become really rich places to explore and also ignite collaboration. And, you know, if we're going to be tackling some of the most daunting global challenges of our time, the only way we're getting through that is through these collaborations. So if we're not willing to connect, I think it's going to be impossible to actually affect these challenges. Totally. And so, you know, I have a question because you explore and research networks and systems. Was there a network or a system that through your artwork you discovered that surprised you? Mm, interesting. <laughs> 
I think I honestly, one of the networks that really took my breath away was looking at social networks because I don't know if, if people have done this, some of your listeners, but there are ways to actually map your social media friends. And what ends up happening is you get these beautiful, like radial clouds of faces and with all these intermixed lines. And it looks almost like, you know, the close-up of a dandelion. <laughs> and at the time, it was just amazing to see what is an invisible structure. I mean, none of us know exactly what it looks like to be connected to a bunch of people, but to see this visualized was really beautiful because it looked so much like these other familiar systems in nature. And at the time I was just looking at patterns, but what I learned is that's actually a category of science called graph theory, where it's defining what's called a radial network. And that at the time was just so fascinating to me because I was talking to scientists and they were like, oh, you're identifying these radial networks as well as tree-like networks, which are different types of systems. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I just noticed that, you know, the veins in my wrist actually look like small trees and these uh, clouds of my Facebook friends look like the top of a dandelion. And they were like, exactly, that's science. And I was like, no way, I didn't even realize but that was something I was exploring. And I think the beautiful part of that discovery was realizing that humans are part of our web of life. We're not separate from it. We're engraved and embedded in nature. And realizing that I think is a really beautiful place to operate from and in terms of thinking about how can we affect the world and how are we a part of the world you can see humanity is actually a seed of nature and i think that's really beautiful to work from yeah so so nice like scientific method applied to social structure through art yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know i have a question over here which we haven't discussed yet but i really want to take uh, to hear your opinion because we often hear about climate crisis and we often Here, what happens when humans are not in nature, that actually nature is able to recover? So, and for me, you are an optimistic in a way on our role over here. And I wonder, how do you see it? What will be the message from you to our fellow human when it comes to making this place a better place, even though you are exploring other places outside of Earth? Mm-hmm. It's... remembering that we're a single strand of the web of life and that we don't dominate it. And I think when you start to see yourself as being a part of something, then you're able to realize how that connection point is a string to so many other parts of, of our planet. And, you know, oftentimes you'll hear about this notion of the ripple effect. How do you have ripples of impact across the things that you're connected to? And, you know, you could take that perfect example of a spider sitting on a spider's web. If the spider moves, it starts to have this uh, trembling effect across the web. And I want people to just start to picture these connections and see themselves as almost like this threaded system around the world. And you can either, you know, make really turbulent negative impacts around you that affect everything in its wake. Or you can start to really have these positive changes kind of threading throughout um, the world. And with the internet and with global travel, we are a global society now. I mean, the pandemic itself is a perfect example of how globally connected we are. No one exists in isolation. So if we can remember those connections, even if we can't see them exactly, uh, I can't tell how I'm... sitting in this room and affecting a, a rainforest. But if I can start to do the learning and realize that the palm oil that's in my cereal actually took out that orangutan's home, then I'm going to start to be able to be more conscious about how I'm affecting everything else. And I think it's that shift in perspective that can enable people to more consciously live their lives and feel more connected to the world around them. Yeah. 
No, I mean, you know, I'm talking to you and then I recalling one of the conversation I had with uh, Lauren Lee McCarthy and she spoke about Alexa. And now, even though I have Alexa over here, I'm much more aware of it. So I think that after the conversation with you, now I think very well about my cereal and what I eat. So I want to ask you about the Nomadic Artist Project. What is this project? What did you do there? I think it's a fascinating project. Yeah, So it was a project that started about six years ago. And at the time, I didn't really realize what I was getting myself into. But I <laughs> attended my first artist in residence program and realized how incredible it was to be entirely immersed in a new environment. And I think that traveling there kind of heightened my senses to what was around me. And I started to see things that other people might miss as being You know being a tourist or a traveler in a new environment and then I made a lot of artwork about that experience in this new place and that to me started to to kind of kickstart this idea of why not use my art as my passport to gain access to these different artists and residence programs around the world and and travel to these areas In far-reaching environments to reflect the local community and the environment of each place. And this journey just took off. I was going to artist and residence programs back to back. Sometimes I would come home for a night and you know remove one suitcase that was full of art supplies from Vermont and then pack it with a whole new collection of projects that I was taking to Japan and then I'd come home offload and then go to the Arctic Circle. So it's brought me to these incredible places and integrated me into these beautiful communities. And I think that it's really awakened what I hope will become a lifelong journey, uh, traveling the world to explore how interconnected it is firsthand. And oftentimes people will ask me, well, why do you have to actually go on a sailboat, stand on a glacier in the Arctic Circle and see a polar bear to make art about it? Why can't you do that from <laughs> Los Angeles? And to me, I think it's a really great question. <laughs> I, I get asked it quite often. But to me, I think as an artist, you can translate an experience to, firsthand so that other people can use the, your artwork as like a map to that place. I love how performance philosopher Jason Silva, he always says that our songs, our poems, our stories, they are maps from where we went. And if I can go to these extreme environments that oftentimes need our attention most and make artwork about it so people can be transported there with me, I think that that becomes a really big powerful place to tell the story of these locations. It's not just about creating documentation or photo journaling about these destinations, but trying to bring that emotion and that sensation and the things that people would otherwise miss and, and take that story back. So yeah. till today you did how many residencies? I've done 18. And now I've explored the space analogs. So that's becoming another part of my nomadic journey. Uh, so I have one coming up called Lenaris, which is in Poland. And that's a lunar mission uh, with a small crew and you're inside of an enclosure. So I'm going to start to explore what, what is it like to make art on the moon and what types of projects need to exist there. So wait, I have another question about the Nomadic Artist Project. What are the two, three places that were super unique for, for you as an experience? Because you did in very, very rare places, which, by the way, it's so interesting that they even have artists in residency. Yes, I always tell artists, I'm like, you need to look into residencies because you'll be able to find a residency that fits any kind of niche interest that you have, because there are so many that exist around the world. But of course, I mean, I started to mention this one, but the, the residency called the Arctic Circle Residency uh, is with 20 artists and scientists. And you're on a sailboat venturing through uh, what's close to the North Pole. I think it's the closest you can get to the North Pole on a ship. And we would uh, dock the ship, hop on small Zodiac boats and uh, go up to the shore and make artwork on the shore. For about three hours at a time before we couldn't feel our fingertips and then get back onto the ship 
So it was a really incredible way of, of making art inspired by the location and a perfect example of what I discovered up there that I otherwise would have missed is the sound of uh, melting glaciers and, and calving glaciers and ice in the water. Uh, it's, it's this incredible, like, it almost sounds like Perrier, where it's all of these thousands and thousands of bubbles popping because all of the air that's trapped in the ice is being removed to the surface. And it was insane. You're in the middle of the ocean and you're just hearing miles of popping ice. And that's something that if I was just sitting in my studio in LA painting a glacier, I would have no idea that that's what they sound like. And that's what really becomes the soundtrack of being up there. <laughs> so that's one of the details. Uh, a couple other residencies that really took my breath away was a residency in Japan where I worked in a traditional Japanese paper mill and learned a technique that's 300 years old of um, working with the local environment to collect kozo fibers and natural materials uh, that is then impounded into paper. So we made giant pulp paintings of the landscape. I used satellite imagery to make these luscious green uh, landscapes of that area where we were. So my idea there was to paint the land made from the land and really show people those connections. Amazing. It's like, you know, I, I, suddenly I want to travel to artists in residencies. <laughs> <laughs> I know, they need entrepreneurs in residence or some kind of program like this. <laughs> One, booster mission and liftoff of the space shuttle Discovery, returning to the space station, paving the way a topic that I have to discuss with you, which is you are training to become an astronaut. What does it mean, Richelle, an artist that is training to become an astronaut? Can, can you tell me about what are you trying to do? So I find that the capstone of the nomadic artist journey is to see Earth from above. I think that is the ultimate perspective to tell the story of planetary connectivity. And if I can translate that sensation and that newfound view through immersive, large-scale artworks that can transport people to space, then I think I've done my, my job. So I've been experiencing these space analogs uh, to undergo some astronaut training. So. Part of the analogs is you're given a crew title. So I was vice commander of the high seas mission and a creative specialist. Uh, so I got to oversee the crew dynamics, which, you know, on these space missions, they keep you quite busy. You're managing your inventory. You're learning how to cook with all dehydrated foods and ingredients. You put on a spacesuit anytime you go outside on, a, on what's called an EVA. You learn to build projects and work in a spacesuit, which is quite difficult <laughs> and managing your oxygen supply system. So these types of hurdles are, are really interesting to experience firsthand. And that's really kickstarted this interest of, oh my gosh, you know, in my lifetime with space becoming more accessible. And of course I have this lens also with Tim building this rocket company of just how much of a part of our future this is gonna be. And so eventually we're gonna have citizen astronauts go to space. Eventually there will be an artist in space. I want to do all of the proper training in advance. So when that moment happens, sign me up, I'm ready to go. Uh, so I've talked to several astronauts about their experience in space flight. And oftentimes they say that the training, you do a lot of wilderness training, you go into Arctic environments, you go into extreme environments, you work in small enclosures. And I realized that I've already done yeah, many of Yeah, that's what things. I was about. Yeah, like you forgot it already. <laughs> It's crazy. I didn't realize my nomadic artist journey was actually kind of like astronaut training. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm doing some of the other certifications. I just got my scuba license. And I mean, that has been one of the most remarkable sensations. I did my first night dive where we go underwater, we turn off our flashlights and, you know, I'm 50 feet underwater with my air supply system and I start to move my hands and I'm in galaxies of bioluminescence 
And it was just such a surreal moment for me because I'm weightless and I'm seeing this vast ecosystem just come to life. And it really felt like the closest feeling I could get to space. And and I, yeah, it's, it's remarkable to realize that you can explore space just by jumping in the water. And, and I'm seeing these interesting parallels between the astronaut experience and the aquanaut experience. And I just really want to deep dive into that sensation and yeah, and help that inform some art projects about our, our planet and about the cosmos uh, through immersive experience. You also got a human factor in space settlement certificate. Yes. <laughs> what yes. does it mean? I always <laughs> imagine you entering to the class and everyone say, what do you do for life? I'm an artist. What are you doing here? Yes. So I've been working with the Kepler Space Institute, uh, getting a master's certificate. And it's been so remarkable to be connecting with so many different people in the space community. Everyone's arrived there from a different path and some come from the sciences. But what's so fascinating is there's this rise of interest in the space community coming from space food. So we have people trying to figure out how do you develop um, food in space with aquaponic systems. And, you know, if we want to sustain our, our life and be able to create fresh produce off planet, what are those things that are needed? So we've got this like culinary arts in space is becoming part of the conversations as well as, um, yeah, looking at how do we, what is space ethics? What about philosophy in space? How, who's going to make those rules? What's the space treaty? Uh, looking at, you know, all factors of our life off planet. And so often when we think about space exploration, we focus on the technology side. And I think that that's a beautiful component. I see it firsthand with Tim at Relativity. Uh, but what happens when we get up there? These are human people <laughs> existing off planet and working in these crews. And oftentimes what's actually been one of the largest issues with uh, these space exploration trips are crew dynamics. So it's our humanity that actually becomes the, the complexities in space. And so I think if we really explore all parts of ourselves using space at this platform, we become you know, really aware of, of who we are. And that, that's such an important knowledge to have both on and off Earth. You know, I always say that it's humans that take us to space, not technology. Technology is just the means. So it um, totally re resonates with me what you just said. Richelle, we are getting into the end of our wonderful conversation and we didn't even start to speak about what you do with the Super Collider and the Beyond Earth and there are so many things that you are uh, doing. But I have one last question. What is your vision for space art? Are you going what? to open the next uh, art school for space art? <laughs> <laughs> I think space art can change the world. I think what it pushes us to do, just as you look back at the Apollo mission, which, you know, changed the, the world's perspective of what humans are possible or capable of, I think that space art can include a lot more people in the journey and push us to think beyond what we think we're, we're, is possible for us. And to me, I find that to be such a rich platform and something that's so needed right now, because I feel like we need this reinvigoration and sensation of feeling like we can actually get things back on track here in the world. It's like, we're not just gonna be daunted by these environmental and social challenges to the point of our demise, but we're gonna think our way through this. We're gonna act collaboratively and innovate and think about these solutions and build a future worth striving for. And I think if we have these examples of artworks and projects that can expand our mind and show us a new future, then we have something to work from. And oftentimes, yes, I, I mean, we, we didn't know that we would eventually communicate on screens if the sci-fi movies didn't exist, or we, we didn't know that we could fly on these machines up into space if we didn't have these comic books. So artists are, are really instrumental in kind of laying the groundwork for what could be. 
And I think that we need a lot more of that vision right now. So we have motivation to, to take action today towards that goal. I think there is no better message to end this uh, conversation. Richelle Gribel, you are such an inspiration. And I'm so grateful uh, for you taking the time and seeing you and team and speaking with both of you. I know we can be on the right track. Artist and engineer, entrepreneur, wonderful. Richelle, thank you very, 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 very much. Thank you. This was so fun. <laughs> Have a wonderful day in LA and can't wait to hear about your next adventures. And for our listeners, make sure to check the show notes. Everything Richelle mentioned will be there from her project to her website to her, hopefully, her future flight to a space. Richelle, thanks again. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Richelle. This conversation was recorded a few months back and some of the projects Richelle mentioned already took place. I will encourage you to go and check the show notes and get familiar with the work she is doing, all available on our website. After all, how often do you hear about an artist who is trained to become an astronaut? Special thanks to our dear friend Forrest Stearns, who introduced me to Richelle, and to Tim Ellis, who took the time to participate in this episode and record this bonus episode you will hear in the next few days. Some of the episode's background sounds are the original sounds captured by Richelle in her journeys around the world. Thank you, Richelle, for sharing all those sounds. And thank you, our listeners, for coming back. And until the next time, have a great week. Go be inspired or just inspire others. And until you will be back, I will be here waiting for you with another episode of the Artian Podcast. Thanks for listening. We are producing our podcast without any help. So if you find this podcast valuable for you, I will be super grateful if you can help us spread the word by leaving a rating or a review. I swear, it does help. It will take you just less than a minute to do so, and it's really, really beneficial. Special thanks to Daniel Duran, who mixed and mastered this episode. If you are interested in working with us and upskilling your team's capabilities, if you are looking to hone and develop an artistic mindset, inspire and motivate your team, I would recommend you check out our workshops and training, all available on our website. You can, of course, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All our previous shows are available on our website, www.theartian.com slash podcast. Each episode includes show notes, guest recommendation, videos, and other materials. We can also be found on our LinkedIn page, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And if you prefer to write us directly, just do so via podcast at theartian.com. Once again, thanks for listening.